Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to The Messy Truth, Conversations on Photography, with me, Jem Fletcher. Continuing with the theme of representation, today I'm talking with Devin Galindo. Over the past few years, I've watched Devon champion communities often sidelined by mainstream culture. She does this not only in her personal work, but in her commercial work too, where it has the opportunity to reach wide audiences and really affect change. During our conversation, we discuss how she does this, her activism, motivation, and the responsibilities that come with image making. I kind of fell in love with photography at a young age when I was about 13 and I had had my first class in the dark room and yeah just seeing kind of the magic of like developing your own film developing your own paper and just being alone and you know in your craft at that age I just feel like it was the first time I was able to like physically make something like that I just knew it was going to be lifelong after that you know just images in general you know I just feel like um, speak to me. I'm, I communicate best visually. So that's kind of why I fell in love with photography. It's funny as well. I think you have such an energy about your work. Like a lot of people love what they do, but it's almost in the time that I've spent with you, it's almost like infectious, like how much you really love it. Your energy, I'm sure you have bad days, but like your energy never really seems to waver that much. You just still got as much passion as you had when you kind of first started. Yeah, I have, I, yeah, I definitely have like a, a youthful energy when it comes to just like a pl- I, I hope and I hope I always have that you know when I'm 80 I hope that I still feel like I did when I was 13 and just still like in awe and like it's magical you know I don't know I guess the day that I lose that I'm gonna pick up and do something else <laughs> yeah that's a nice way to think about it actually yeah. and Catherine Opie's a big influence on you what is it about her work that super resonates for you yeah I mean I think all of the previous like lesbian dyke and queer photographers that have come before me are definitely a big influence on my work because they don't it's not as like seen in mainstream photography so the couple that are out there I kind of cling to as my my gurus (laughs) and um Catherine Obies just speaks to me because it comes from a very like fine art portrait background and it's I don't know I love how she exposes herself through her work and explores with others and it feels like that really intimate raw feeling that I like to have in my work as well so yeah I can really see that actually and I I always think about you and how you kind of approach your work is is a lot about using the camera as a tool of progress you're very much about kind of increasing visibility for people who have been previously sidelined or continue to be sidelined by Um, mainstream culture and I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that yeah I mean I think that's always been at the core of my work even as a young person not not forcefully but just because that's the world that I'm a part of and I live in so 
just kind of natural for me to want to highlight those communities. I think living in the South has really influenced my perception on racial inequality in the United States and my family's Mexican. And yeah, so just watching just the various ranges of the American experience in regards to race has really affected me and my work. So I just have always tried to just push away the typical like Eurocentric ideas of beauty and and just make room for other types of beauty because just, you know, as you know, it's super necessary and it's pretty beautiful what's been happening over the past few years, just seeing the changes in the industry. And I just hope we can continue that behind the lens as well as in front of the lens and just keep full circle pushing forward. So, yeah. Have you noticed as a queer photographer, have you noticed like more, um, and a, and a Latinx woman, have you, have you noticed more photographers coming up as part of those communities? I, I do see more photographers coming up. I think that there's still just a handful. Yeah, that's <laughs> still, what it feels like to me as well. Still very small, but I think um, I think what's cool is that once these initial doors are busted down, there's going to be room for the next generation that's even wider. So I'm really excited for that. Like, for example, like Las Fotos, who I work with quite a bit in Los Angeles, they're... Um, like if there's ever a job, I can bring them on kind of thing. I try to like make space for, for the young kids that are kind of coming up and, and they have every, you know, all types of kids from different backgrounds there, but just making space for that next generation. Cause I think they're going to really be the ones that have the full scope. Yeah. That's what's always excited me about your work actually is that you have managed to like bring those communities in front of the camera in your commercial work as well which I think is super rare even now I think that's really exciting commercial work often has limitations creatively you can reach such a massive audience with your commercial work Mm -hmm. often bigger than your art practice or Mm -hmm. your editorial practice and so it's exciting that you're bringing those communities into such a public forum and I wondered how that experience has been for you, whether it's something that people have come to you because they know you do that or whether it's something that you've brought to them as part of your creative process. I think in the beginning, I was definitely bringing those ideas to the forefront and kind of pushing behind the scenes and being like, well, what if we cast this person or what if we take it this direction or just constantly just a little bit chipping a little away every time. Um, until I think I was kind of synonymous with that. And now people come to me for that kind of work. It is really tricky because I like to be sensitive to those communities and, and the partnership in the commercial world, because a lot of times that can still be super insensitive. And I try not to ever put anybody in a position where like they would feel, I don't know, disrespected or anything like that. But at at the same time, it's really beautiful when I'm able to like get somebody from my personal work, like an advertising job that gets them like a paycheck that could change their life. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's cool to, you know, have it on both ends. Have you had much tension or friction when you've been working with in advertising through some of these things, whether it's the depiction, how they want to depict certain communities or any sort of ideas or concepts that kind of jar for you that you've had to kind of push back on? I think the language that people use sometimes has been tough for me because everyone comes from different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. different experiences. And I don't think it comes from a malicious place, but I think there's a lot to be learned about how to communicate about other people's looks and bodies and, you know, hair textures and all these things. And I think a lot of people just need to kind of educate themselves on how to, I don't know, how to refer to 
to other folks that mm-hmm. are not like them. It's really powerful to me that you have such responsibility and you're very conscious of the responsibility that it comes with. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about over the last few years because I just noticed more and more on set that people can often just switch into a mindset of just like producing images and that's what they do day in and day out and they don't think about the impact of every single frame and those images really do live out their own life once they're released into the world and they play a role in shaping our thoughts and our opinions about all different sorts of subjects and people and lifestyles and what's really excited me is that every time we've talked I'm so aware of how conscious you are and how you take that responsibility really seriously. I think the the core of having that camera in your hands is is the exchange and the privilege that you it's it's it holds a lot of power and for me it's always held a lot of like weight and I think I think about it almost too much sometimes but yeah just trying to be as mindful as possible. I don't like to step into a scenario and just grab and take and be forceful with it. And a lot of, I think a lot of photographers do do that and Mm -hmm. they like to just insert themselves into the scene and then take, 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 take. And I, I just find for my work in order for me to get like the most intimate, real, raw vibe from the subject, like I want them to know me and I want to know them. And like, it's really that simple. It's just like, we're going to get to know each other <laughs> and we're going to create something together that we both feel like reflects you and reflects you in the best light. And yeah, I think it's got to be approached a little more selflessly and with less ego. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. I think a lot of kind of the essence of what you've just described as well really speaks to your visual aesthetic. I guess in the very beginning when I was still like in, in college and taking photos and all, you know, all we had access to was like what, like, v magazine and you know a couple a couple of those like, kind of magazines and you're just emulating these like really ridiculous fashion stories that mean nothing <laughs> and i think once i kind of got that out of my system i was like started to unpack like well what images do i want to see in the world what do i want to make what's not there yet you know what i mean and there is there's hardly any i don't want to say hardly any but there was a very small pool of like models of color queer models of color (laughs) it was a very small pool of like people in the modeling industry to be able to shoot so I started to kind of drift away from that just because I felt like bored of what they were able to offer and I was in New York and I was shooting big supermodels but I was just like they kind of were just a little drone like you know they're really absent sometimes you know some some models are amazing and connect with you but then other times you're just like wow you're just like kind of a robot so I just kind of started steering more towards like shooting real people and shooting my friends and making it a little bit more organic and personal and that's when I feel like my work really started to blossom into what it was meant to be yeah yeah I think that comes through in some of your latest work as well and kind of speaking to some of the things we've talked about like the importance of who is holding that camera and therefore how the subject is portrayed can be so different, like so extremely different. And I feel like you're a great example of when that comes together in kind of perfect harmony. And I remember just seeing your Sephora campaign, which I think came out in the summer, right? And it's the most incredible beauty campaign for a mainstream client that has captured like the queer community in the most amazing way that I only wish that when I was growing up, 
I could look at campaigns that look like that Mm because that was, you know, nothing existed like that. It's so exciting and transformative. And I think unless you are part of a community that's been excluded, you don't 100% get what that feeling is, like finally seeing people who you relate to. Imagine you're just looking through what's supposed to be your inspiration and magazines and books and you're just like, okay, but like, like where are the images that look like my family or that Mm -hmm. look like my friend or that look, you know what I mean? And just kind of craving that. And then instead of being upset by it, I just felt like I needed to create it in full force, like just push for that. And with Sephora, that was kind of funny how that came about because they originally had cast me and my partner to be in it. And then they saw my work and they were like, hey, do you want to do these like videos for us and I was like I'd love to so we actually had quite a bit of free range on set because we were kind of like one of many <laughs> things happening there yeah. was a whole tv commercial happening a print campaign and then we got you know an hour or so of just really intimate time with each person and we got to ask them pretty in-depth beautiful questions about gender and beauty and their relationship to their self and yeah just spinning I spent a lot of time with my editor kind of like weaving that together after the fact to just kind of tell a story that I thought would be beautiful to share with the world. And luckily the agency in Sephora was very supportive of kind of like letting me take take it and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful campaign. It really is like a really special one. Yeah. And likewise, you've just released your collaboration with Opening Ceremony as well. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, I mean, they reached out. They're doing um, a year of Mexico right now. So it, they're celebrating all things Mexican and from Mexico, including designers and a range of creatives from, from there and also Mexican-Americans. And they reached out and they wanted me to just do kind of a like a little docu-series behind the scenes moments where I'm just like kind of talking with them candidly. And then we kind of wove that together similar style to how we did Sephora where we just take you know the most meaningful sound bites and kind of like weave weave it into a nice story so it was just like in celebration of you know Mexican culture and that was a surreal experience I've never been on a set that was completely Mexican and like I think everybody was like a little teary-eyed at one point it was really special super cool Mm -hmm. from your perspective do you think like things are changing and evolving in terms of like representation and how advertising's moving. I definitely think so. I think people are being pushed to be like, hey, find that Latinx photographer, find that queer photographer, you know, find that person of color, like find, you know, find the people because they're out there. And um, and it is frustrating, I think, on the other side, because there's not a lot of visibility for people like that. Channeling the sadness or the bitterness or mm-hmm. however you feel into like, just stepping outside and and even if it's like a personal project, just doing something that you know is like what you want to put into the world that's going to affect that change. Like it just happens little by little, you know, because I, I feel this hasn't happened overnight. It's been a lot of people pushing behind the scenes for a long time. And I don't know, I feel a lot of momentum right now. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Have there been times when you have felt like you couldn't be yourself? To be honest, I mean, in the beginning, I was always very much like, fuck everything. I'm, I am me. (laughs) And I was very like punk about it. And I was just like, nope, I'm, this is who I am. And you're going to embrace me for me. And I definitely think when I moved to New York, I had kind of a a harder time with that because I didn't feel like I had um, as big of a community that was supporting me. And I kind of like lost my individual self for a little bit because 
I don't know. I guess you're a product of your environment at the mm-hmm. end of the day and, and things can shape you if you're not careful. So I definitely have felt the pressures of you have this many tattoos, don't have your hair dyed this weird color, don't don't be too queer and don't be that, you know, but at the end of the day, um, I don't know, I had to like come back to myself and realize that like none of that really matters <laughs> and that the people like let the work speak for itself and and put all the energy into the work and make the work so good that they can't deny you no matter what you look like. So that's been my kind of strategy. That's very powerful. <laughs> I love it. You're listening to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. And then I just really wanted to talk to you about your new personal work, the Van Dykes Project, because yeah. it is so cool. And it was basically inspired by some like radical lesbians in the 70s, right? Yeah, so it was it was kind of a trip that was already in the works. And then um, my partner, who we were kind of fresh in our relationship at the time, sent me an article about the Van Dykes, who were a lesbian separatist group that kind of traveled in a caravan in the 70s through the U.S. and Mexico and they would they wouldn't talk to any men unless they like absolutely had to like their car broke down or something. Um, they were pretty extreme in their perspective, and I just thought it was so interesting that Hope and I were about to embark on a journey that was going through the South in a van, and we were both dykes, and it felt like we were living like parallel um, lives, mm-hmm. you know, just in different times. And we were like, hmm, like how do we like? We're so inspired by this, like. And how do but how do we bring it into 2019? You know, how, how do we bring it to the future? Because back then, you know, it was like a lot less inclusive, mm-hmm. even in the lesbian community for like trans folks and for just like a queer umbrella. So we just kind of tried to call in a little bit more of the spectrum that reflected our perspective and our views. And um, yeah, that's kind of how the name the name was more inspired. The project was already in the works. Right. <laughs> yeah. How did the project work in terms of your subjects? Had you already found people or was it a bit more organic? It was a little more organic. I think like because we didn't have certain timelines, we didn't want to put a timeline pressure on ourselves like, oh, we got to get here by this date. We kind of just hit people up as we were on the road trip and told them about what we were trying to, you know, capture and through my network and through Hope's network, we each knew two of the folks that we interviewed. Um, so that's kind of how they came into the fold. And um, Hope's a writer. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that, this is like your first collaboration together? Yeah, I think, um, yeah. She, basically I was like, I think we were maybe three months, not, no, no, we were six months into our relationship. So it was very new. And I was just very passionate and I was like, let's go I got this van let's hit the road and um like I want you there like let's let's make something together we didn't know how it was going to like take shape as far as our partnership went I think as we were going like I I drove because she doesn't know how to drive stick so while we were driving you know we'd kind of come up with the interview questions together and then while I was filming she would ask the questions and then after the fact she kind of helped weave the words together Mm -hmm. and we both kind of edited it together and it was really fun. It was very challenging to collaborate with your partner. I, I don't know if you ever experienced that with your partner, but it's fun and super challenging. You can tell you guys had fun. Like the pictures are incredible. Yeah, yeah we had a really good time. I think we probably can't do the next one together because she has a, oh, a full time job again. But um, we'll definitely continue the project in in the spring. Unfortunately, it's going to be kind of a slow moving project mm-hmm. because 
it's dictated around the weather. Yeah. <laughs> the van has no heat, no AC, oh, wow. and yeah, it's, so it's from the 70s. So it's a very old van. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the older women's names that... Um, Ruth and Connie. Yeah, Ruth and Connie, I just thought were amazing because yes. you just do not see older dykes in mm-hmm. in culture sort of end of it's um and I just love their story and I love those pictures they're just so beautiful thank you yeah that was um hope's very passionate about in including uh stories from queer elders because so many times there's not a we're not able to have multi-generational conversations with other lesbians and other queer people and she luckily has because she has two gay dads so she grew up kind of in the community and in the culture from a young age. And her dads knew Ruth and Connie, who were monumental in getting domestic partnership changed in all those laws in the 80s in New York. So they had been kind of fighting the good fight this whole time. And, and I don't know, just their range of experience of life together was just... Yeah, very powerful. And one thing I was curious to ask you about, you kind of touched upon it earlier with the Sephora job, is that you've been putting yourself into your work a little bit more as well. And I was curious what that experience is like, because it is it can be a really big switch moving from behind the camera to being in front of the camera. I've always been a little bit shy to be in front of the camera for my own personal work, but I feel like if I'm asking people to be that vulnerable with me, I need to be vulnerable too. So it's almost like... um an experiment I'm trying to do with myself um, of just, you know, showing showing people who I am and just being honest and open in that way. And also, it's always been also a part of my mantra as a, as a woman and as a photographer to not um, expose my body and my work too mm-hmm. much, at least in a sexual way that feels like for the male gaze, just because mm-hmm. I wanted to build, I don't know, I just wanted to build a body work that was um, the antithesis of that so finding ways that also like I want to communicate different things but still maintain that kind of raw quality is important to me thanks for listening to the messy truth you can find more information about today's guests in the show notes theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White you can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at Jem Fletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at jemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts.